Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Sign up with my bookie and use our promo code Gators to get your first ever deposit match dollar for dollar. Bet anything, anywhere, anytime with my bookie get the manscape performance package 4.0 at manscape.com for 20 percent off plus free shipping when you use code gators break 20 want more gators breakdown join gators breakdown plus starting at three dollars a month get access to unique episodes plus a blog chat room giveaways shout outs and more gators breakdown plus is furthering the interaction with fans and listeners like you head to gatorsbreakdown.supportingcast.fm to join gators breakdown plus today gators breakdown because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. The Gators Breakdown Podcast is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter, at GatorDave underscore SEC, coming at you on Sunday. Game review time as Florida gets the second win of the season, 42-20 over the South Florida Bulls on a game down in Tampa on September 11th. Uh, you know, very somber day, uh, of course, for a lot of people out there. But we got we got our football game uh, being played with, in, in remembrance of everything that happened on 9-11 20 years ago. So nice gesture by the Gators with the helmets. Nice gestures throughout college football all day yesterday. Uh, it was great to see. But, of course, we are here to talk college football. But I had to throw that out there. Everything – uh, was uh, it, was, it was nice to see uh, all that yesterday and come together for, for, for one day of college football and, and one day of remembrance there on September 11th. But uh, you know, it's uh, we look at the football game here as far as I said, 142 to 20, but a lot of the same questions remain <laughs> from last week, of course, starting at the quarterback position. We'll get into all of it here on Gators Breakdown, but as we said, you know, most of the time this is this Sunday shows more of a game review. All the storylines that come from it, we'll get into the storylines kind of preliminary here, but we got plenty of time to talk about all that stuff throughout the week. Well, one reason, too, because there's just still so many questions about the quarterback uh, quarterback position there for the Gators, the health of Anthony Richardson after coming up uh, lame there with a hamstring. Uh, but, you know, I think we all know what we saw and um, what helps this Gators team, what helps this Gator offense out there. So that's why the questions are out there. You know, questions to – Questions, different ways of uh, looking at it right now. First of all, the question of Anthony Richardson taking over and is he healthy enough to take over? So those are things we'll have to look out for uh, throughout the week. Of course, Dan Mullen was noncommittal, noncommittable in uh, the press game, uh, post-game press conference 
there of name still named Emory Jones the starter uh, moving forward. That really is no surprise. You know, Dan Mullen's pretty conservative in that regard, especially after a game. We'll see what this week holds as far as everything, but we'll get into the storylines here just a little bit, of course, for the quarterbacks toward the end of the episode after we look back at the game yesterday. Look, the, the storyline kind of plays out as we, as we will look at the game, of course, uh, and uh, everything that transpired in Tampa on Saturday. Everybody, if you haven't done so yet, uh, you've heard the promo before, but go join Gators Breakdown Plus. It, um, I'm telling you, the conversations there on game day, we've had two game days uh, now. It's a lot of fun in that Discord chat server. And after the games as well, I'll do the post-game show there. Uh, get to, you know, basically an instant reaction with you guys. It's been a lot of fun recently. So if you haven't checked out Gators Breakdown Plus yet, $3 a month starts there. You can get a instant reaction episode right after the game, right after Dan Mullen gets over with his press conference. And a lot of good chat there as well. Join us at newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown as well. That's where you'll find all the Gators Breakdown episodes and your favorite podcast platform. A lot of you guys right now watching on YouTube, hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. It really, really, really helps us out. Get Skaters Breakdown out there more for other people to enjoy all those Skaters content that we're putting out. All right, guys. So I think we have to go back to the preview a little bit last week, too. When you look at South Florida and, and, and last week for them, look, no point scored versus NC State. They scored 20 on Florida. I told you guys last week I didn't expect a shutout there. And, look, some of their points were contributed by some Emory Jones turnovers uh, as well. And I, I didn't think it was likely to get another shutout for a team. It's hard to, it's hard for a team to be shut out twice. I mean, you could have been playing Furman for all I care. And if they would have got shut out last week, it would have been hard to shut them out again this week. It's just, you know, it, law of averages come into play somewhere along the, uh, along the way. So, um, But they had 271 total yards last week on NC State. They gained 283 on Florida. They were 3 of 16 on third down last week, 5 of 17 on Grantham's defense this week. Pretty much the same there. Um, they had three turnovers last week versus NC State, all interceptions. The Gators forced one interception uh, for USF. They gave up 45 points last week. Florida scored 42. Pretty much the same there, and Florida could have put up more, <laughs> as, as we know. Uh, NC State ran for 293. Florida ran for 363. NC State on South Florida last week had 525 yards uh, on the South Florida defense. The Gators gained 666 yards on the Bulls. Uh, so some good, some bad uh, when compared to what South Florida did last week when they were shut out 45 to nothing. But those 666 yards for Florida, even with all the questions at quarterback, even with all the questions on the offense, 666 yards is the fifth highest total in program history. So you can look at this kind of two different ways. We Florida's still putting up yards, still putting up points, and we know it can even be we and we know it can be better. That's the that's the crazy thing about this offense. Of course the competition comes into play here. Uh, absolutely it does. Can't gloss over that fact. Of course it, it is South Florida. South Florida's not a very good team. But once again, you do get credit for things you're supposed to do. And putting up 666 yards on South Florida could have put up even more uh, without some of those turnovers there to start the second half. I mean, Florida could Florida could have had 700 yards of offense in this game, and we still have questions. <laughs> so that's the that's the nature of it right now, of course. Uh, and look, those questions are valid, of course. And I'm not saying just because Florida had 666 yards and all is good and you can't question anything that's happening. We know we can question what's happening uh, going on out there. But 666 yards for this Gator offense, is uh, that's a feather in the cap uh, for, for, for this Gator offense. 
So first half, you know, a lot of the stats come in the first half uh, or a lot of the big stats, a lot of the good plays in the first half, then hit a wall in the second half. Uh, you know, stats don't really say, but we know, you know, with the turnovers and all that, you know, it could have been better. Uh, the, 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 the style of play, the smoothness of it, the consistency of the offense, first half, it was there uh, for both quarterbacks leading the charge and then hit that wall in the second half, you know, mainly due to the Emory's interceptions to start the second half. But in the first half, I mean, Florida gets up 35 to three uh, lead, held a 373 yard to 143 yard edge. I mean, that's a domination there in the first half. Um, and uh, had a four rushing, had 143 yards, averaged seven and a half yards per carry. Both quarterbacks combined to go 11 of 14 for 230 yards, three touchdowns. Florida averaged 11.3 yards per play in the first half. That's a first down every time you touch the ball. Explosive plays come into that, of course. Oh, only two of six on third down uh, for Florida offense in the first half. Emory was nine of 12 in the first half after starting 0 and 2 uh, on that first drive. Florida goes uh, three and out, but nine of 12 the first half, 0 and 2. So we only had one more incompletion the rest of the first half. Had a streak of seven completions with gains of 20, 17, 1, 35, 13, 10, and 13 in that streak. So playing much better than last week. The timing was better. He was more accurate compared to last week. AR comes in, hits his two touchdown passes on two attempts in the first half. One to 75-yarder and the other a 41-yarder. Offense was rolling there. But, you know, Emory, Emory did improve. As we said, I expected the improvement there from Emory. Of course, we know how the second half started. We'll get into that. Uh, you know, <laughs> I had an ill-timed tweet on my, on my part say, hey, the timing there is with Emory. He's making good decisions and literally – a minute after I tweet that, we get the second half and the uh, turnovers and the interceptions uh, there. We'll get into that, but that's how the game started. That was the first half. That's where Florida just dominated. The, the game was won in the first half, and that's the way it should have been. Um, there maybe some of the momentum was stopped at halftime. Uh, of course, I think we get into it uh, as well. Some going down the depth chart in the second half as well. But, you know, let's move to the other side of the ball. Defense forced a three and out on their first drive. But then proceeded to give up a 17-play, 75-yard field goal drive, and then an eight-play, 42-yard drive that ended on downs. So on that 17-play drive, the Bulls converted three third downs. Those were third and one, third and two, third and four. So for the Gator defense on that drive, you're not getting the job done on first and second down. Uh, you were giving up. Um, you know, gashing plays, easy completions on those uh, first and second down plays, making third down a whole lot easier uh, for that USF defense. That soft coverage come back to bite Florida. It did get better. Now, if you guys follow me on Twitter, there's plenty of examples of Florida improving the defense there uh, after that drive. You know, we saw the soft coverage again, leading the easy yardage. Uh, allowed USF starter at quarterback Kate Fortin to start the game 10 of 11 for 90 yards. So not really big plays, but Dink and dunk, dink and dunk, dink and dunk because of the soft coverage uh, there. Florida did tighten it up. Uh, and But the, look, that's where much of the angst comes from, and, and that's what we know about that defense. Uh, you know, But with the starters out there, uh, right after that drive, you saw tight coverage. You saw Florida rush the quarterback, get the, 
Um, you know, some turnovers there as well, or one turnover there. But you, you, they did adjust. They did play better uh, after that one big drive. The defensive line gave up two eight-yard runs, uh, one on third and four. We, we were talking about um, uh, you know third down here. You know, besides those two drives, the USF offense didn't do much versus the Gator. Mostly for, versus mostly the Gator starting defense there in the first half. So it didn't really do much at all besides those drives. Ventro Miller went out early with an elbow injury. USF's other drives in the first half after the first three went punt, interception, punt, punt for 37 yards. So the defense definitely clamped down, did what they're supposed to do uh, versus an opponent like this. That interception was because of great pressure up front and tighter coverage uh, that the quarterback overshoots the wide receiver uh, after Jeremiah Moon brings the pressure. Elam gets the first interception of the season after he was playing press coverage at the snap. And I I shared the images uh, on Twitter. If you guys follow me on Twitter, I mean, Florida played that perfectly. You had Elam at the top of the screen right in the face of the receiver, uh, Florida had, I think it was 10 defenders in front of the first down marker. So that more aggressive approach, the tighter coverage approach, we saw it on there uh, on a third and nine, I believe it was. Uh, I didn't make that note in here, but I believe in going back and looking at it, it was a third and nine. You had 10 defenders in front of the first down marker, tight coverage there by Elam, pressure by Moon. Elam gets the interception. Florida gets their first interception of the season. Played it perfectly. Played it perfect there. Uh, and you, know, you saw some aggression there from the Florida. Florida only one sack uh, on the day. Did have some hurries, uh, but only one sack after getting six last week. Uh, but, um, you know, almost had another interception, too, was with, with Rashad Torrance. Jason Marshall was flagged for defensive holding. They didn't necessarily show it on the broadcast. It had to be earlier in the play. It definitely wasn't toward the end of the play when Torrance made that interception. So it had to be there. They never went back and really showed us uh, the the penalty on Marshall. But, uh, you know, that goes back to say, you know, those two cor- that second cornerback spot definitely struggling there for the Gators. Yeah, Avery Helm, Jason Marshall. Elam's doing his job. Elam's locking down his man. He's shutting down half of the field. But we are seeing Marshall and, and, and Helm through two games now. Still a lot of question at that second cornerback spot for the Gators. But it was a tale of two halves, uh, of course, for the Gators. On offense, in the second half, still put up 293 yards, 220 of them rushing, only 73 passing with 36 of that in the second half being a one Anthony Richardson throw. I mean, the game changed for Emory as he couldn't, you know, keep up his improved play in the first half. Those that throws those two interceptions on the first two drives of the second half. He ends up five of 10 in the second half with those two interceptions, the longest completion being only 15 yards. We'll get into more of that uh, just a bit uh, there for, for there for Emory as he explains uh, what he saw on those interceptions for the defense, really hard to get a handle I'm not trying to make an excuse, guys. I'm really not. I just I don't want to judge too harshly. But by look, you are playing USF. Would I expect better play? No matter who you have out there, of course. But who knows how many times these guys are out there playing together when you're going deep, deep into the depth chart to start the second half. And we're seeing names we're not going to see pretty much all year unless Florida gets a whole lot of injury trouble right there, on, especially up front uh, for Florida. I mean, they were deep into the depth chart in the second half. We didn't see Carter, Elam, Moon, Diabate, Valentino, Dexter, Cox. Those guys, if they if they played in the second half, I, I, I missed a, a bit of it, but those guys, if they played at all, played very little in the second half. Uh, of course, that's the bulk of the Florida defense, especially up front. Carter, Elam, Moon, Diabate, Valentino, Dexter, Cox. 
I mean, USF also short fields to work with after the Emory interception, so that benefited them as well, uh, uh, translating the points, put the defense in some bad spots with the backups out there. They did struggle a bit with the mobile quarterback, but the longest run all night was a 13-yarder in the first half for South Florida. Um, it did give up a 44-yard play and. One of the ones I was talking about, the secondary, uh, the second cornerbacks out there, I believe the catch was on Marshall, the 44-yard play when USF was backed up on, the, on their one-yard line. You had Helm and Marshall out there playing together because Elam didn't play in the second half, nor should he have. <laughs> you know what you're getting in Elam. Florida was going deep into the secondary, uh, deep into the uh, depth chart, uh, all over, every level of the defense. I mean, how many times have we? What, are we going to see Helm and, and Marshall out there and in, in coverage throughout the season, it's going to be Elam and it's going to be one of those guys. Um, so, you know, you, you, you can see why some of the struggles now don't get me wrong. It's not a complete excuse. And, and I don't think you should throw it away in the second half. It's, you know, and there's one reason I want to go back and watch more of it. I did do a little bit of rewatch this morning, but just to get more of a general feel of it. But uh, the second half, you really have to go and look at individual play. That's not really going to be a team defense. You're going to see too often uh, for the skater team moving forward. So, just, just put that disclaimer out there. I'm not really trying to make the excuse. I'm just giving another reason why you may have seen the drop-off uh, there. So, I said, you gave up that 44-yard play backed up on the one-yard line for USF. Too easy. I mean, you, you, to me, there you, he was pre- the quarterback was pressured in the end zone. Marshall was in position to make a play a couple of times throughout the game, but specifically with that one, you know, get your head around, make a play on the ball, just still between Helm and Marshall, not enough plays on the ball. You know, they're, they're – they're trying to play, in, rightly so, but if they don't feel comfortable, but they're playing the receiver instead of the ball too much. And that's you know leading to some drops <laughs> that they're getting away with. Uh, for, for the re- the receivers are dropping it, and, and those guys are getting away with some with some passes uh, thrown over their heads. But you know, we want to see those guys, the com- more comfortable they get, they've got to start playing the ball just a bit more. Uh, so that's you know where I think we go as far as general look at what happened Florida – versus USF. First half, second half, much different. Tell the two halves there. Stats don't really necessarily say it. Some stats do. And the turnovers, of course, was no, that, that's the that's that's the thing that can't happen. You know, turnovers, turnovers, turnovers are going to kill you, especially at the quarterback position. And that was the issue there for Emory Jones and the Gator offense that we will get into here in just a second. But before we do, hey, look, we know college football's been in action for a week or so, but the NFL is back in action. And that's where my bookie has you set up to go do some betting winning season at my bookie with over $500,000 in contest prize money. Winning season makes the big games better and the victories even sweeter. And it returns for you NFL fans out there as well. Head to mybookie.ag, choose from a variety of booze contests and promotions up for grabs. Highlighted by the crown jewel of winning season, the famed MyBookie Super Contest. It only costs $10 to enter. You pick five games against the spread each week. Each win earns you a point, and each point gets you closer to the grand prize. If you miss out, don't even sweat it because entries are still open, and all it takes is one solid week to get you back into the mix. But go ahead and get started this week, week one of the NFL. But don't take my word for it. Join now. Start your winning season with MyBookie today. In order to get you started, make your first deposit at MyBookie.ag. Use promo code GATERS to instantly receive a double deposit. They will double your first deposit. 
That's double your money to double your winnings with your first ever deposit using promo code Gators at MyBookie. So bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. And autumn is in the air. It's football season. Pumpkins are in the patch, and our friends at Manscaped are here to make sure you're keeping things fresh this fall with the leaders in male grooming and their brand-new fourth-generation performance package. Join the 2 million men worldwide using Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code GATORSBREAK20. It's time to bundle up with the Manscaped Performance Package 4.0. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0. You guys have heard me talk about that. You get the Weed Whacker, the Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer. You got to have that. Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Breeze, and a travel bag to hold all these goodies. You get that Performance Package. With this Performance Package 4.0, you get that Lawnmower 4.0, the fourth generation trimmer. You guys know about that. The skin safe technology. Get that LED spotlight for a more precise shave down below. And it's waterproof. Now I'll tell you what, guys, the, the winner here for me, the Performance Package 4.0 also has the weed whacker to chop your worst weeds up from your nose to your ears. Look, this nose and hair trimmer, I'm telling you, it works. It's the only one that I've used that consistently works. <laughs> I'm getting old. I'm, I'm getting that stuff there too, but it's the best nose trimmer I have ever tried. Pretty much the only one I've tried that works. You got to get it in the Performance Package 4.0. You get the liquid formulations too, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, and the Crop Reviver, the soothing spray to use after the shave. And with this Performance Package 4.0, you get the boxer briefs and a shared travel bag. You get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GATORSBREAK20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code GATORSBREAK20 at manscaped.com. All right, guys, let's take a look a bit, a little bit, a better look at some of the good that happened with the Gators explosives. And we've seen the explosives two weeks now, two weeks now in a row, passes of at least 20 yards, six for Florida. Anthony Richardson responsible for three on many less snaps there compared to Anthony, uh, compared to uh, Emory Jones. And all three of his are longer than Emory's explosive passes. Nine rushes of at least 10 yards of the skater rush offense led by an 80-yard touchdown run by Anthony Richardson and a 33-yarder by Emory Jones. The longest run by running back was Bowman with a 26-yard run late in the game. Look, guys, it, it starts right there for me, the offensive line. Trending up, rotating pieces up there. Michael Tarquin got more playing time than we've seen. Uh, he's playing well at right tackle. Gene DeLance was playing well as well, especially in the – gave up, of course, some some pass rushes there. But, I mean, was playing well in the, in, in the rush offense. Went down with an injury. Was seen on crutches. But, he you know, he had a great seal block on Emory Jones' uh, speed option, 33-yard touchdown run. Uh, he's made a move in, in that run blocking department. Hopefully he's okay because the Gators going to need him. The Gators going to depend on that run game a whole lot. They, Gene Lance is a nice piece there in that uh, rush offense. Hopefully he's okay. Can be a, uh, like I said, they, they were rotating guys in there before he went down with an injury. So and I like what I saw from Michael Tarquin, but we need, you know, Florida needs depth. Florida needs depth up front. Gene DeLance, Michael Tarquin looks like a pretty good combo so far there at that right tackle spot. Josh Braun got a good good bit of time there in place of Stuart Reese uh, at, at guard. You know, saw him on both sides, mostly right guard, but 
trying to build depth in these games ahead of the big showdown versus Alabama. SEC play starting as well. You know, this week with Alabama, so plenty, plenty to work on up front for the Gators, and they're doing it with many pieces up there uh, up front as well. Um, you know, some some changes at center uh, to get some so to build some depth there as well. Um, so I think it was Harad, I believe, if I remember right, playing center. Um, uh, so rotational pieces, building depth. That's what Florida needed to do in these first two games. So a lot of the things that we just wanted to see didn't get to see. It's because they're just trying to think they're tinkering, tinkering just a little bit. Not a full excuse. Don't get me wrong. I'm not excusing for some of the play that we see, but there are some reasons why not everything is glowing, you know, running so smooth, glowing with positive outcomes. Just nature of the beast when you're going to start rotating so many pieces up there uh, for, for, you know, offense and defense. Uh, Damian Pierce, shout out to him. First scoring drive, three rushes for 43 yards, capped off with a touchdown for Pierce on the second drive of the game. Pierce had two more carries the rest of the game uh, after that barrage there on the second drive. Not really a big deal to me. Would we like to see him get a lot more carries uh, to maybe just add to that total? Yeah, but as we said going into the preview, Florida could have run the ball every down if they wanted to and, and went and run for 600 yards. Wasn't really going to accomplish much. You saw what they they saw what they wanted to see from Damian Pierce. He dominated that second drive. Um, I think we've probably seen more, yeah, a little bit, but you know, they're going to rotate those backs in there too. And they wanted to put those quarterbacks out there in some passing situations. Uh, so not really a big deal to me. Did expect to see more, but Damian Pierce, 11 yards a carry. Good for him. Good for him. Copeland. Well, man, and that big question from last week was, hey, man, what's wrong with Jacob Copeland? Look, first of all, it was only one game. and We had to slow down just a little bit. Uh, but Copeland, career highs, receiving yards and receiving touchdowns for a game. And that was just in the first half alone. Totaled 129 receiving yards and two touchdowns through the first two quarters. Copeland finished with 175 yards, two touchdowns. And they were both career highs there. For Copeland, not just game highs, not just season highs, but you know, and those were just in the first half, both career highs with that 175 yard game and two touchdowns. Um, his first two catches were the 75 yard touchdown and 41 yard touchdown. So <laughs> he was he was averaging pretty good there. He was targeted five times, caught the ball five times, averaged 35 yards of catch. Good showing from Jacob Copeland bounced back after last week. As I said, better quarterback play would help these receivers. And that's exactly what we got, especially for one Jacob Copeland. Move to the other side of the ball just a little bit. Some more good. Jeremiah Moon continues to play well in the first two games. Overall, I'm not going to say it's going to play out like this for the rest of the year. Overall, now he's been the best player on the field in defense the first two. Him and Zachary Carter, I think you could kind of maybe split the hairs just a little bit. Those two guys, and luckily, you know, we're seeing it from, from uh, not luckily, Gladly we're seeing it from those two guys, those two veterans came back for this now. But Jeremiah Moon, Zachary Carter, I'll start with Moon, though, continues to play well in these first two games. Had the only sack of the day after the Gators had six last week. He's found a new role there. He's moving all around, but he, he's playing more of a traditional linebacker role than we've seen in the past as well. Found himself with five tackles on the day as well. He said after the game, they give me more freedom to roam around, but I'm really just doing what they ask of me. I am having fun wherever they put me. And look, it certainly looks like it. He's lining up all over the defense, at linebacker, on the edge, right over an offensive lineman. He's been 
fun to watch these first two games. Hopefully he stays healthy. That's been the issue with Jeremiah Moon. He come back for this. And, uh, we, and we want to see it play out all you know, good for him to, to come back. And we want to see it play out. And we just want to see him on the field uh, making plays like he has these first two weeks. Of course, big game for him, you know, <laughs> from Alabama, uh, playing against Alabama this coming up week. And we want to see it in SEC play as well. But these first two games, uh, Jeremiah Moon's been out there on the field, been on the field in some new situations. We get to see him in now, and he's out there. You know, the, the, the staff found something uh, him in this offseason by moving him around in this defense, and he's been a playmaker out there so far. As I mentioned, the other playmaker on defense so far is Zachary Carter, two and a half tackles for loss against South Florida to bring his season total to five and a half through two games. And this was without him playing in the second half of these games, guys. So, I mean, five and a half tackles for loss, some big stops against USF, just dominating the offensive line, finding himself in the backfield. Uh, he's beating his guys. The, the, there was one run uh, there. I think it was his first tackle for loss. I mean, the, the running back is getting the handoff, and he already has his guy beat. Uh, so that was the that that was the type of play we expect to see from Zach Carter coming back this year, and he's not disappointing early on in this season as well. Uh, the Elam interception. Sixth career interception for him. Seventh takeaway with his second quarter pick. Hey, we explained that one, how that one happened. But uh, good to see Kyrie Elam with all the uh, recognition coming into this season, living up to his billing. Some more notes on the defense, some good stuff here. Chris Bogle set a career high with six tackles. Tyron Hopper, career high with six tackles. Prince Eumann Meelan, Dante Zanders, formerly Dante Lang, both recorded a career high four tackles. As I said, Florida going deep into the depth chart here in these games. Bogle, Hopper, Human, Meelan, Xanders. We've seen there's – there's a guys – I think we're going to see some uh, this year, but they're going to be more in relief of Carter and Moon and Cox and Valentino and – uh, and you know, we, we know it. But I do think those guys now have proven they can go out there and make some plays. And if they got to come onto the field and they're playing with some of the other starters out there instead of these backups like they're playing with, they can go out there and make some plays for themselves as well and not, not, not have that huge fall and drop off uh, there. Well, of course, we get a better sense of it coming up. Uh, but so far, so good with those guys out there playing and, 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 making, and making tackles, making stats. All right, the bad. Yeah, that, was, that was a good – Oh, man, now the other side of it. I think we have to start with Emory Jones, those interceptions. Uh, we'll let him explain it here. This is what he had to say after the game as he described it. Quote, personally, personally, they were just bad reads and bad decisions. On the first one, I did not think the cornerback was going to break away that quickly, but he did. I was just trying to get it out of my hands quickly. They showed me a play before where their corner didn't follow all the way out. And I was just expecting him to do that, and he jumped the route. I should have kept going through my reads, but I tried to get the ball out of my hands fast. He made a great play. I made a bad decision. The second one was another bad decision by me. I was waiting for another guy to come open, and I was late getting my head back to Whittemore. I should have thrown the ball. That was a bad decision by me. I shouldn't have thrown the ball. That was a bad decision by me. On both interceptions, coach told me they were both bad decisions, we just have to go back to practice, continue to work on it, and get better. Guys, and, and this was after a good start in the first half, looking better than what we saw last week. But for whatever reason, just didn't hold up in the second half. It was the same things that we saw last week and everything that we heard about coming into the season creeping back in in the second half. Timing, accuracy, not making the right read. And we now can extend that to anticipation. Uh, that, that, that second interception was – all about you know anticipation, not anticipating Whittemore coming open, or if you didn't anticipate it, you just entirely waited too late. 
execution just isn't consistently it isn't consistent there. Uh, it, it is limited. And, you know, we see Richardson go out there and, and the offense looks in sync, uh, smoother, just moves in an explosive fashion uh, for, for, for this offense. And, but it, it certainly doesn't seem like Mullen is, is ready to hand it over to Richardson just yet. Still naming Jones a starter after the game, but uh, also offered more when asked about Richardson. Quote from Dan Mullen, he does special things. He doesn't always do the right thing but he does do special things. we got to keep coaching him to be efficient, make sure we're making all the right reads. We have two quarterbacks that are pretty talented guys that can make plays happen out on their, out there on the field. There's a lot of things the quarterback has to do, a lot of different reads. We have two quarterbacks right now that can make great plays out there, both very efficient in the first half and situations in the second half. It's a long season. We have young quarterbacks that I have to continue to grow and develop into being really good football players. Well, there we go. I mean, look, Dan Mullen's right in a way. He, Dan Mullen's right. He, he does have two talented quarterbacks, but Richardson is the one that puts the consistency out there, the one that's consistently more explosive, the one that isn't turning the ball over. I think the time, the time for the move is now. Grow the offense with Richardson because the, the, the ceiling is higher. The ceiling with this offense is higher with Anthony Richardson. You need a difference maker at quarterback, and Richardson is that type of player if he's healthy enough to play. It's what we have to wait on, but, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves right now. The play speaks for itself right now. The lack of turnovers. Look, we all want to see more plays. And I, I made a joke this morning on Twitter. Part of the reason we don't see as many plays is because he's so explosive. There's not a lot of plays out there because he's scoring fast. <laughs> so, I mean, that's uh, it, it kind of comes back around. But 115 yards rushing, 152 yards passing, three for three in that regard. But 115 yards rushing, 152 yards passing in the game. Quarterback Anthony Richardson becomes the first FBS player in the last 25 seasons to rush for 100 plus yards, pass for 150 yards and complete every pass he threw. Now, it was only three for three, and like I said, some of that is you can look at it that in a good way. You know, people say, oh, the, the numbers aren't there. There's not enough reps. I will agree there, but part of the reason there's not enough reps is because he's so explosive. He's scoring really fast. He's three for three because he's finding the open guy, and it's turning into a score. So he's got to go back onto the sideline. <laughs> so would we like to see him come out for that next draft? Absolutely. But part of the lack of plays, Part of the lack of reps is because the offense just is more explosive. But 115 yards rushing, 152 yards passing, the first FBS player in the last 25 seasons to rush for 100-plus yards, pass for 150-plus yards, and complete every pass he threw. And that's 25 years. I mean, <laughs> feather in his cap for Anthony Richardson. Richardson's 75-yard touchdown pass to Jacob Copeland in the first quarter was Florida's longest passing play under Dan Mullen. We're going to go back to 2018, fellas, guys out there. 75-yard touchdown pass to Jacob Copeland. The longest play since Dan Mullen has been the head coach. Longest passing play since Dan Mullen has been head coach of Florida. So, I mean, you, you see the good. You see the explosiveness. The offense is moving. The offense is scoring. It looks easy. Now, is he making all the right reads? Now, I will agree with Dan Mullen uh, to a point there, but it doesn't hold me back from wanting to, to see him as a starter. I mean, the, the ones um, – the one scramble he had on the drop back, he probably had Jacob Copeland on the in route that he probably, if he would have thrown it right as Copeland's breaking in, 
he should have, he probably could have, should have thrown that ball. But he makes the play happen anyway. The USF defender can't tackle him in the backfield. He runs and gets like a gain of 20. Uh, so even when the play, you know, and look, I'm not expecting anybody, I'm not expecting any quarterback to make every right throw, every right decision every time he drops back. And when he doesn't, at least he can still make something happen. He's not forcing the ball. Uh, it's the timing's not there. He's not forcing a, a throw late and, and a ball getting picked. He's still making something happen in the end. And to me, look, I know he doesn't know the playbook as, as good as Emory Jones, and he shouldn't. Emory Jones has been in the program for four years. Emory Jones should know the playbook more. But that's not equating to more consistent play. That's not equating to not turning the ball over. And Emory Jones is still turning the ball over, forcing some throws. I like Emory Jones. I, he can be a good quarterback. He's just not putting it together right now. And there's one quarterback who is. And I know it's limited, but that's, that's, that's just what we're getting, and that's what we see. I know we're not at practice, but this is just a trend. I've said it, we've said it plenty of times last week. It's just a trend of what we heard dating back to spring. That Emory Jones is struggling in some regards. Anthony Richardson is right on his heels, maybe even outperforming him. And we're seeing it. And I, I look, I, I think Dan Mullen's seen it too. And that goes into the next point here. What can hold Anthony Richardson back? And we saw it on his last run the injury, the hamstring. We saw him come up, favor that hamstring. We saw it wrapped in ice. This has been an issue dating back to spring for Anthony Richardson. It was more serious in the spring than it was in fall. Flare up a little bit in fall camp as well. Um, he was the latest. I can share with you guys. He's scheduled to have an MRI Saturday night after the game. As we record right now on this Sunday, no results of that. As it has come as I record, but I can't really look while I'm recording here. Uh, but as of the, the latest I had heard, MRI on Saturday night to see how serious maybe not serious as it is. Hopefully he'll be full goal in practice this week. Does that mean he'll start versus Alabama? Who knows? Um, I'll still go back and say one thing Dan Mullen has said before. May not start, but who plays more? And if he doesn't start, he should still play more. But we'll see how it goes. We'll see how practice goes this week. Hopefully we hear something early in the week. They may try and keep it under wraps. Who knows? We know how big of a weapon Anthony Richardson is. Um Alabama's going to have to prepare for both quarterbacks no matter what the status is. Uh, but that may not be why it gets out. Uh, we'll see and it, as it goes to there. But Anthony Richardson has to be the starter for me going forward sooner rather than later. Alabama, Tennessee, that's your next two games. Who knows when it happens? Who knows how healthy Anthony Richardson is going to be? Uh, but I think that's the status moving forward, at least for me anyway. So <laughs> I know for many of you out there as well. Uh, so look, I think I still think even even if Anthony Richardson's name quarter, start quarterback versus Alabama versus Tennessee, whenever that may be, Emory Jones is still going to get some playing time as well. I think it just probably just reverses the roles that we've seen so far. Uh, but I don't think it's I don't think it's too hard to see right now. Uh, this this offense just more explosive, smoother, better, less turnover prone here with Anthony Richardson. All right, man, week two in the SEC. I tell you what, that was a it's a fun week a little bit around the league and some 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 bigger games here uh, for uh, for some SEC squads out out there. Some good games, I'm telling you. But we'll start at the top here. Auburn, no trouble with Alabama State, 62 to nothing. South Carolina has to come back and defeat East Carolina, 20 to 17. South uh, East Carolina jumped off to a lead. South Carolina fights their way back. Uh, I believe it's a game winning field goal there for South Carolina. Up in Knoxville, 
Pittsburgh 41, Tennessee 34. Lucas Kroll, former Gator tied in with some uh, big catches there for Pitt in that game. Uh, so, I mean, Joe Milton, I'll tell you what, he he's he not accurate whatsoever for Tennessee. Tennessee probably should have had a big lead early. Joe Milton cannot hit the broad side of a barn right now, overthrowing wide-open receivers time and time again early in that game versus Pitt. Uh, and those mistakes just kept compounding and getting bigger and bigger. And Pitt stayed in the game and then eventually just wore out Tennessee as that game played along. 42-20, Gators over South Florida. Georgia, without JT Daniels, Stetson Bennett comes in, lights up UAB. Georgia, 56-7 winners over the UAB Blazers. Texas A&M escapes Colorado. Haynes King goes down with an injury for Texas A&M. They're starting quarterback. They were able to fight back. They probably should have had the lead a couple times late, but it, you know turnovers uh, did them in. But A&M goes on the road in a neutral site, defeats Colorado 10-7. Colorado has some chances as well. Texas A&M comes out in the end there. Alabama, Florida's opponent next week, of course, beats Mercer 48-14. Maybe one of the bigger surprises in the country. Arkansas, 40. Texas, 21. Everybody was ready to fall in love with Sark and Texas uh, last week after their win over Louisiana. But Arkansas just puts it on Texas from the get-go, guys. I mean, this was this was a beatdown. I won't say a beatdown. I mean, they, they, Arkansas was pretty comfortably doing what they wanted to do. 40 to 21 winners over Texas. And Mississippi State, now NC State. You know, played this USF team that Florida just played, beat them 45 nothing. Mississippi State struggled last week, <laughs> uh, in, in you know, needing a game winner toward the end of their game in week one, and then ends up beating Miss NC State 24 to 10. They did Mississippi State opened that game with a kickoff return for a touchdown, so there were seven points right there. So, still not lighting the scoreboard up there with Mike Leach, but getting a big at a conference ACC win. Uh, a win over an ACC opponent there, Mississippi State, twenty-four to ten over NC State. Ole Miss, no problem with Austin P, fifty-four to seventeen. Then the game of the week for me in the SEC played out like I thought it would, except for the winner. I had Missouri beating Kentucky, but Kentucky wins thirty-five to twenty-eight in a game that lived up to the billing. Both those teams look good. For right now, from what we can tell in week two, I mean, you know, of course the season's got to play out, and who knows how good Missouri is, uh, who, who knows how good Kentucky is, but a really good win from what I can tell for from Kentucky. Still relying on the run game. You know, we, we expected Will Levis to come in and this new offensive coordinator uh, to come in and, and get, get the uh, passing game going for Kentucky, and it is more explosive. They're, they're hitting some big plays in the passing game, but they're still, and no surprise, still relying on that run game to open up the offense, but Kentucky dominates in the run game and gets a 35-28 to victory over Missouri. LSU struggled a little bit with McNeese, 34-7, and Vanderbilt. Gets their first win of the season. Nice bounce back for them. Win over Colorado State, 24 to 21 for Vanderbilt. So it looks like, you know, Tennessee not really holding up their end of the bargain <laughs> and at a conference play. Uh, their AM almost loses to Colorado. Arkansas with a big win over Texas and Kentucky beating Missouri, 35 28. The highlights there from around the SEC. And of course, we cannot go without mentioning the disaster. And Tallahassee late at night there. <laughs> that uh oh man, that was uh not a good look for FSU after pretty much saying they were back after beating or after a close loss to Notre Dame last week, 
Notre Dame struggles with Toledo, by the way. Uh, very close to losing that game. But FSU goes down to Jacksonville State at the buzzer. Jacksonville State on, what, their own 35, 40-yard line. Uh, chucks it up. Receiver catches it. FSU not in prevent defense for whatever reason. Uh, and wide receiver breaks a tackle on his way to the end zone. Scores. Jacksonville State upsets Florida State late on Saturday night. And all the good feelings in Tallahassee, that school out west from the last week, from last Monday night over uh, against Notre Dame, quickly washed away with a loss to Jacksonville State, who lost, I believe it was 31 to nothing to UAB last week. The same UAB team that just got slaughtered by Georgia. Um, so, sorry, Knowles, not back yet. <laughs> But man, not a not a good look. Not a good look there for the Seminoles. But we're we're not shedding any tears for that. No, not, not whatsoever. They can't use the Georgia Southern loss uh, against Florida too much anymore now <laughs> after losing to Jacksonville State. So not a good look for the Knowles out there out west on Saturday night. So all right, that will do it for this episode of Gators Breakdown. Check out Gators Breakdown Plus if you haven't done so yet. Instant reaction episodes over there. Um, also, Will Miles will join me on win, uh, Monday. Uh, we'll take a look at uh, game, this game again. Some more quarterback talk, of course. Can't ignore that. We'll get into a bit more in that regard. And then, of course, the Florida-Alabama week. Florida-Alabama preview will be out midweek, Wednesday, Thursday. Uh, but plenty to get into with that game as well. And look, I know the game feels a little different because of what's going on for, on Florida side. But go go try and enjoy it. Go try and have a good week. Uh you never know what you never know what would transpire. You know, so treat treat this game like you like you were going to two weeks ago. I mean, you know, go go to Gainesville, go have a good time, go tailgate. Um, I know the game itself may feel a little different uh, because you just you know Florida's probably not where we thought they would be heading into this game just a little bit. But go out there, go try and have fun. You know, make it a raucous atmosphere for Alabama anyway. Let the chips fall where they may. But let's go have fun and uh, go enjoy ourselves. SEC Nation coming to town. Uh, college game day decided to go Auburn Penn State. SEC Nation will be in town. So Tebow, 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 Tebow back in town uh, as SEC Nation rolls in for Florida and Alabama. The first big SEC game. You know, Kentucky Missouri played uh, yesterday, but this is the first big, big SEC game. Uh, CBS will carry the broadcast at three thirty, so we get that uh, we get that theme music we all love for Florida and Alabama. This week, the game we've been waiting for, the game we've been waiting for. So go have fun with it, uh, you know, before the game. Go tailgate, all that, and go cheer your head off in the stadium when Florida and Alabama take on each other. So that'll do it for this episode. I am your host, David Waters. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SEC. Guys and girls out there, thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown. <laughs>